Welcome to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., Chief Joy Officer and Divorce Coach at Joyfully B. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you shift your junk to joy, heartbreak to healing, and free the funk so you can move forward faster. We don't just survive, we thrive by using joy as our GPS to create a life you're obsessed with. I invite you now to grab your cup of joy juice for another epic episode. Like my mama B always says, put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. And with that, let's start. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cup of Joy, the podcast. We have an amazing guest today. I'm so happy to bring Lily Rachels to the show. She is a relationship coach and podcast host. She's a self-proclaimed optimist, and Lily believes that there is a solution to any problem. She brings her optimism, solution-seeking ability, and innate skill of looking at multiple perspectives to her clients as she helps them create deep connections in their relationships. Lily holds a Master of Social Work degree and previously worked as a therapist, personal trainer, and trauma-sensitive yoga instructor. She currently lives in Nashville with her partner and four pups. In her free time, she enjoys exploring new places and connecting with friends over a cup of tea. Welcome to the podcast, Lily. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. You have so many great qualities. I was sharing with you before we pressed record that I found you on TikTok. Your content is epic. Started following you on Instagram. And I was like, I have to have this amazing woman on my show. So thanks for saying yes. I can't wait for the listeners to get all of your genius today. And we're going to talk about the topic of rediscovering yourself after divorce and what that looks like. Because both you and I have been through divorce. Mine in 2015, yours in 2018. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So I know that we're going to go down lots of amazing avenues, but maybe let's start out by having you just share a little bit about yourself and letting our listeners know maybe a little bit of your backstory, whatever that means for you. And what makes you so passionate about the way that you show up today in this space? Yes. No, I'd love to share that. So I'll take you back to college for me. Right before I started college, I was in a very physically, I guess, damaging accident, a bad car accident. I broke a lot of bones. I was life lighted. And I was on track to start like nursing school, become a nurse, the whole thing. And I spent two to three days in the hospital and I hated it. I was like, why would I ever want to work in this environment? Nothing against anyone who does. But for me, I was like, I don't like this. I just want to move once my body heals. So I went into exercise science and wellness which is where the personal training piece came in. And as I was working as a personal trainer, I started to get interested in yoga. So I pursued like my yoga teacher training. And that's when I got into trauma yoga teacher training and then did trauma yoga. And I got really interested in the mind-body connection. Yes. And through that, I was like, I want more. So I decided to go back to school, get my master's degree. And that's where the social work came in and working as a therapist because there was something about really for the first time learning about the mind-body connection that I was like, I want to help people deal with hard things. Like I had had a number of hard things happen in my childhood and in my life. And I was like, I think I could be someone that other people could talk to. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that mind-body connection piece and just the desire to know that you can help people go deeper and do the hard things and and what that looks like. So what about your road to divorce? What did that look like for you? 
Yeah. So I was started my master's. I guess I was about 26 years old when I went back to school. I was married at the time. I got married young. And the second year of my master's, that's when everything really started falling apart in my marriage. And I won't go into great detail there, but there was a lot of pain and just a lot of stuff. And we ended up, I ended up filing for divorce in 2018. And I've told people before, if I had known how painful divorce was, I don't know that I would have done it. I, it was the right decision at the time. It was for sure the right decision. So many things had happened that the marriage just couldn't continue any longer, that I, I couldn't continue the marriage any longer with him. And there was so much pain, but the ending. I always describe it as I remember waking up one morning and you know, those few seconds before you like really register that you're awake and everything feels good. And then as soon as your mind wakes up, it's like the world falls back down on top of you. Mm. And in that moment, I remember laying in bed and just pulling the covers over my head. And I was like, I don't want to keep going. I don't want to keep going through this in life. Yeah. And yeah, divorce is... It's rough. (laughs) It is a lot of grief. I love that you said, you know, I don't, it knowing what I know now and the amount of pain that I experienced, again, without going into all the details on my end, too, I basically felt like I woke up one morning after having made that decision with my partner. Ours was kind of like a collective, like we both don't think we can continue any longer. And we did the hard thing. And I remember thinking, okay, I think this is going to be really good. For I don't know if you felt like this at all, but I remember in the beginning convincing myself, I think this is really going to be good for us. Packing up all the stuff, finding a new place. He found his place. We actually were pretty amicable. We helped each other move, get settled, do the things, which isn't, I hate to say isn't normal, but when you hear a lot of the ways society creates divorce stories and and shares that out with the world, it looks very tumultuous and it looks very angry and it looks, and that is the way that it is for some people. But for us, it was like, okay, let's like help each other move. And then we'll both feel better about our lives and we'll get over and on with it and peace and harmony. Yay. And I remember waking up that first day after I had moved into the apartment by myself and going, what happened? What did I do? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I have never felt pain like this before. What is this? I don't even think, honestly, Lily, I don't know if I could have even called it pain at the time. I think I was like, what is this? Hold on. Ah. Yeah, like, wait, I'm supposed to be feeling like lighter. And all I feel is like, there is a box of rocks. There are boulders on my chest and I don't even know if I can get up today. Yeah, I... I've said before, it's like grieving a loss. Now it's not, and I've actually got a lot of hate on TikTok for this one because I said, you will grieve your divorce like you grieve a death. And I was in no way saying that you're going to grieve like you would grieve if you lost your spouse. But like, it's the same, it's the same process of going through that denial, bargaining, anger, sadness. Like we go through the grieving process when we go through divorce, just like we go through the grieving process when, you know, we lose a career, we lose someone close to us. It's like the process still happens. Yeah. And I love that you just shared that because actually when you said that on social media, that's what made me follow you. 
Because I went, yes, a hundred percent. That is exactly what I feel like. And I didn't know that at the time, but I actually felt like having, being able to hold that perspective on grief of loss of a partner like they were dead. Meaning for me at the time, I no longer have access to this person. I no longer have the same relationship with this person. They are actually gone. They no longer exist in my life the way that they did before. And when I was able to acknowledge that, when you said that, I was like, whoa, yes. When I was able to acknowledge that that loss was grief, then I could actually start uncovering and discovering what grief really was. I didn't think that grief was quote unquote allowed or a part of, oh no, I'm not grieving. No one died really. But the reality was, is wow, there is massive loss in this space. And if we don't acknowledge that it actually is grief, I think that's where we get stuck and we're not able to move forward with ease and self-discovery the way that we that is available to us. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I know when I was going through my own divorce, I had once the decision had been made because it had been a very hard year getting there, I was like, oh, I'm done. I should now be able to move forward with my life. And I had a lot of forgiveness towards him I needed to work on. And I was just like, I forgive him. It's fine. We're not together anymore. I don't have to worry about any of the things that have happened because I forgive him. And I didn't at first like allow myself to grieve. And I remember it was about six months afterwards, I had someone ask me, they're like, are are you okay? And I was like, I don't know, maybe I need to go talk to someone. And I went to therapy and I was like, I think I'm sad. And she's like, okay. And like, we talked about like that. And it was like slowly unpacking the grieving process. But even, you know, there's many stages of grief. I didn't hit anger till two years after I was divorced, like truly. And I remember waking up one day and I was like, I am so mad at him. And he's not even in my life. And I mean, he's still kind of in my life. We still share our talks back and forth. So we still have some connection. But I, so I wasn't like, you know, going to call him up. Like I'm mad at you. But there was a part of me that was still, I had not like let myself feel the anger because I thought I wasn't supposed to. I was like, I forgive, like I forgave you. I shouldn't feel the sadness and the anger and the denial and all these things. But you, you're going to feel these things. Yes, yes. Can we dive deeper into grief? Can you give us from your experience, like high level explanation of what are we experiencing? Are there stages? How does grief even work once we go? Um, I think maybe I do have grief. Once we acknowledge, like what's actually there to unpack. Yeah, for sure. So the like clinical stages of grief you have, I always like to start with shock. Not everyone talks about that, but sometimes in grief, there can be shock. Like I know I've experienced Mm. losses in my life that were sudden and unexpected. So your body can kind of go into shock. Um, What about about like, hold on. What about the shock of kind of like what I was saying of I woke up one morning and went, whoa, Oh my gosh. It was almost like Lily. It was like, whoa, this is real. Whoa, he's not here. And it was so strange to, the only way I can express it is it must have been shock because my brain had told me, you're going to be okay. We're starting over. This is fresh. Here we go. You're getting the apartment, blah, blah, blah. And then waking up that moment, I think it was shock of like, whoa, taken aback. Yeah. 
And I would say that shock and also it's kind of denial is another stage of grief that's right in the beginning. And once we move through, and the denial can look like what you were saying, you're like, we packed our stuff, you know, we're helping each other. It's almost in this cloud of denial and bargaining, which is another stage where it's like, we're sorting everything. I'm not really dealing with the actual like meat and potatoes of what I'm feeling yet. Like I'm still on the entree. We're kind of like talking around it. We're working around it. And then when you were finally alone by yourself, there was no more denying the situation. Like it was right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're actually witnessing yourself. I feel like maybe the earlier parts like you were describing are kind of that this out-of-body experience, right? Where mm-hmm. you can literally take yourself out of your body. And then when you're back in your body and you have no choice but to look around your apartment and mine went from like a three bedroom beautiful condo overlooking the water to like literally the shoebox apartment with a murphy bed that had old springs out of the wall like i went from a double dual income to a single income and i didn't want to leave california so it was this reality of like whoa I am back in my body again, and I'm really here. There is no denying what I am seeing and sitting in in this moment. Yeah. And it's not bad that you go into the denial and the bargaining because our body and our nervous system, like we do it to keep ourselves safe in a way. Because when you experience a loss, whether it's the loss of, you know, a partner to divorce, to death, whatever it is, if you felt the brunt of all the sadness and or all of the anger all at once, that is a lot. So our body or our mind will choose to go into kind of denial and pushing things away until we're ready to deal with them. And it's typically said it's about six months before you really start to be capable of dealing with those deeper, bigger emotions because you're start, you're starting to manage. It's like you're treading water to keep your head up. And it's like, as soon as you're like, above the water. It's like, now I'm ready to start to really feel those deeper things. Ooh. So we we talked about the shock, the denial, the bargaining. What other parts of grief are there that are essentially just trying to help us cope with that stage of processing? Mm-hmm. So depression is another stage, or I like to refer to it as just sadness, depending mm-hmm. on, you know, sometimes if, you know, there's I always say sadness is not a bad thing. There's a good or like a high and a low side of sadness. Sadness is just proof that there was love. Oh, I love that. mm -hmm. So sadness is not bad. Now, sadness that goes unchecked and we don't grow through can turn into depression. Mm -hmm. But there's this stage of sadness. And that, again, I for most people I've seen working through grief, it's typically like six months out, like where they really start to feel that deeper sadness. Mm, yeah, I think that's so important, that acknowledgement, right? If It's like the duality that we can't have joy without sadness. Mm-hmm. And the more we can allow ourselves to feel one end of the spectrum, the more we can allow ourselves to feel the other end of the spectrum. How does that land with you? No, I, I really agree with that. And have you ever seen the Disney movie Inside Out? That is one of my favorite movies. I tell okay. all my all of my clients, I'm like, I know you're going to think I'm a little silly, but I want watch you to it. watch this movie. <laughs> I think that is such a great example of why we need sadness because we. I tend to be a very optimistic, joy-filled person. And with that, I can push aside negative feelings a little bit 
too easily or I'm like reframing things, looking on the bright side. And it, that movie, I remember watching it and I was like, sadness. Yes. Like we need sadness in our life because it just shows proof of love and it allows us like a whole nother depth of emotion. Yeah. Yeah. I remember also my perspective on joy even shifting. I got into joy, the the business of joy, if you will, joyfully divorced and joyfully be and all the joy things, because I tell people that joy literally saved my life. So I think looking back in hindsight, I was going through the depression stage, the deep sadness stage. And I would have never claimed depression in a million years. There's no way I would have done it. You know, the societal norms and I don't have that and wanting to push it away. But there was definitely elements of depression and deep, deep sadness. That loss of love sadness was there. And I remember waking up one day and being just sobbing on the bathroom floor and going, oh my gosh, I need to get up get up. I heard a voice inside of me say, get up and fight for your joy. I mean, it was literally just like this crazy divine intervention. And I remember popping up, putting on my tennis shoes and going out. I I was lucky. I had a beach path right there in front of me. And I went out and I walked on it. And I just, I created this experience, Lily, called joy spotting. And I told myself, okay, we're going to meet sadness with the opposite. Like if I'm in deep sadness, I'm going to invite in deep joy, whatever that looks like. And I'm just going to look for it. Even if I don't feel it, I'm going to look for it in other people, which means if I can see it in other things around me, in the flowers, in the water, in the people having picnics, if I can see it, I know that it still still exists because I had convinced myself I am joyless. I went from being a happy-go-lucky joyful person to just feeling joyless. And I'm like, no, it has to be out there. So I did joy spotting for a long, long time to invite both of those pieces to ignite within me and eventually come back to a version of myself that was more recognizable. But then what I learned is that joy isn't just this like, in my book, it's not like this extreme emotion. It is Also, I use an acronym called the uh, journey of you. Joy equals the journey of you. And I've been adopting that more in my healing chapters than the joy that I once saw before. So I don't know why I felt like I needed to share that with you, but... No, I the joy spotting, I... I tell clients, I always call it looking for the good because I'm like, Mm. if you look for it, you will find it. I mean, call it... I love it because it's like where science and the law of attraction really collide because some people are like, it's the law of attraction. Others like, it's your reticular activating system in your brain. Whatever it needs to be for you, if you are actively looking, like you said, spotting joy, your brain is going to be like, okay, I need to try to do more of this. This is what we're filtering for. This is what we want. Or if you want to think in terms of law of attraction, if that's what you're looking for, that's what you're pulling towards you is more Mm. joy and good in your life. So I love that, the joy spotting thing. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. I don't even know. Like I said, I think it came from something bigger than me. It's the only way that I can explain it. But okay. So what strategies do you use for grief? Yeah. So I liked what you said a second ago too, about how your joy was the journey of you. Like it's deeper. Cause I've, I've been told before that they're like, oh, you live in a little utopia in your head. You're just like too happy all the time. And I've always told people, I'm like, my happiness isn't born out of like, you know, being naive about the world. It's born out of deep grief 
in choosing deep joy because I know that it's there. And I honestly feel like people that have been through hard things and when you find that joy, it's so much more fulfilling than positivity and happiness. Like joy is like, it has substance. Yeah. 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 So for me, when it comes to dealing with grief, the first thing I tell people is I'm like, you have to acknowledge that it's there. And that's hard. It's hard to be like, I'm sad. I I read, I forget. I'm not going to even try to say the quote because I'll butcher it. I want to say it's like C.S. Lewis, but it might not be. But it's essentially talking about how it's a lot easier to say like, my head hurts. I have a headache than to tell someone I'm sad or my heart hurts. Ooh. So it's like, acknowledge it. Just acknowledge that something happened and allow yourself space to be sad. I lost my mother very unexpectedly a few years ago. And I remember I went to therapy and I said, I was like, I need help being sad. Like I need help allowing myself to acknowledge that I'm sad and sitting in it because it can feel overwhelming. Like once you feel this thing, it's never going to end and it will end. You won't, it's not that you're going to feel it forever, but I would say, yeah, the first step is just being aware that it's there and letting it flow, like letting the sadness be there. I love so much of what you just said about asking for help to sit in the sadness or even just having somebody be in the sadness with you. I feel like that is a huge part of what I do and probably what you do as a coach is it's hard to explain to people that having an experienced person with you to sit in the sadness, move through the sadness, help have help being sad. When the last thing we want to do is feel some of these emotions because we're taught like, oh, they're not great. Just push them away, push them away, push them away. So asking for help and acknowledging that they're there in the first place, that is powerful. What else? Yeah. And asking for help and also like what you said, because it's like you help people sit in that, like you help them work through divorce. And I think that's key because... And I mean, I've been guilty of this as a friend, and I'm sure you've experienced this, that when you go through something or someone you love is going through something, it's like, what do you want to do? You want to cheer them up. You want to make them feel better. And if we're being honest, we want to make them feel better because we're uncomfortable with how they're feeling. They might not even want to feel better yet, but it's like, we want them to feel better. And that was what was so powerful for me times in life, like divorce, you know, loss of loved ones to death, having someone that would hold that space for me. Mm-hmm. And I could I could just be sad and I could feel and I could process that. So yeah, mm-hmm. the first step is acknowledging your grief, seeing that it's there. And then where do you... I always tell people, I'm like, acknowledge what it is, label it, acknowledge what it feels like in your body. Like when I say acknowledge it, like, what does it feel like? Like I feel sadness in the pit of my stomach. You mm-hmm. might feel it in your shoulders and your heart and your... Where is that for you? And then letting it flow. And what I mean by that is keeping your heart open. And that's easier said than done. But the best way, I guess one of my best ways to describe, at least when I felt deep grief, is I feel like my heart is underwater. Because when I experienced, like when I went through divorce, I felt like my heart was literally underwater because I'd like dammed up everything around me because I wanted to protect myself. I had now become like this, you know, I'm this castle and no one can get in. I will love no one. No one will ever hurt me again. No one will lie to me again. I'm going to be safe. And what happens when you like dam yourself up, you just like start to fill up with water, you know, and it keeps, you start to drown in it. 
So when I say let it flow, it's not damning up your life. It's allowing the support of other people. And that would be the second thing is I'm like, build a support system. If you have, you know, one or two close friends, or maybe it's a family member for you, people that you can lean on when you need it. We're pack animals. Like we need connection. We need others. And that's when, if you don't have someone like that in your life, a trusted, like confidant, like therapist, coach, like find someone to be that support system. Yeah. I even found too that at the time I got divorced, I was living in California and he and I had moved there together and we hadn't made any friends. We only had each other at the time. And I had some coworkers, but you know, and my whole family and all my friends were here in Michigan and they just wanted to like pluck me out, take me home, drop me back at home. And for some reason, my soul was like, nope, we got to stay here. And I know now why I did because I needed to spend that time redefining myself, rediscovering myself, finding myself without the distraction of anyone else. So that would have been really, really great to have. But it also allowed me to expose myself to new people and invite in Mm -hmm. new people right where I was at at that pivotal moment in my life of, of rebuilding myself. But the other thing is, yeah, that element of when I found a resource Mine was a coach. I had been to therapy in the past. I think therapy is amazing. Therapists are great. I think that finding the right therapist is very important. Just like I believe finding the right coach or mentor is extremely important and really finding that link. But I found a coach and went through a lot of different pieces with her. And there was also this element of just somebody who had the tools to take me through that. So having that support system of loved ones and friends is so critical. And then adding a layer of expertise was Mm -hmm. next level. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I will say I've had clients come to me because they're like, I don't have those people in my life that I can truly depend on. And that's why I tell people when you're going through something hard, like if you don't have someone that you trust like you know we all have those friends that you know like, if i tell you about what's going on in my life you're probably going to go and tell a lot of other people it's like that's not the person that's going to like be there with you but you've got to like find someone i always say don't try to just power through by yourself like you said you found a coach yeah whether it's a coach a therapist whoever it is for you and i like what you said about someone with expertise because you need support we're not designed to just be these independent island creatures that, you know, like I'm an island off by myself, you're way over there. Like we're meant to be interindependent with other human beings. But yes, I completely agree with you. Like someone with expertise and someone that's going to not only be there for you and support you, but hold you accountable to your growth. Mm. Because I don't know if you discover this, but when I got divorced, I definitely had those girlfriends who were loving but they weren't necessarily holding me accountable to growth. They were more, you know, encouraging me to like, go live your life, go have fun, go. And it's like, but there wasn't, they weren't calling me up, right? To like a higher state of being, a higher, you know, behaving better, doing better. And then having a coach, which is, I would always say the difference between, I've gone to coaches and therapists. I feel like therapists have been there to really help me through past things, traumatic things. Yeah. But the coach has been there to be like, where are we going from here? What's next? Like, what do you want? And I know a lot of people who who do both, Mm -hmm. right? I work with women all the time who have their therapist and then they see me too. And they're just really reaping the benefits of all of that. 
all of that. Yes. I will. The other thing I would say too is, I know, and this isn't the same for everybody. For me, I was a little shy to, and I have the most incredible family and friends. They would do anything for me. I could tell them anything, and they would keep it. But I was shy more to say things because I know I knew they were hurting too. Mm-hmm. So they really loved him. Also, they really loved us together. They really loved the energy that we had as a unit, a friend unit, a family unit, all the things. And so a part of me, and I know better now, but at the time was like, I don't even want to share all of the elements of my sadness, of my pain, of my denial, of all the things, because they're going through that a little bit, whether they want to acknowledge it or not, they're going through that too. And I didn't feel super safe being able to drop all of the pieces off Mm -hmm. with my loved ones. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. And I think that comes up for people a lot when they've lost someone, even if it's not to divorce, it could be to death, whether it's, you know, like, like a family member is there's this desire at first, right? To come together as a family unit. But the problem is everyone's grieving and everyone's grieving very differently. So if you don't have support outside of that, it can get really messy. And I've had recently actually had a girlfriend come to me because she lost someone unexpectedly and was like, I'm just having a hard time grieving like with other members of my family. And I'm like, you don't have to grieve with them. Like you can, you know, love each other, support each other, but realize you guys may be handling this very differently. And it may be triggering you guys the way the other person is handling this. Mm, Yes, that is so good. That is so good. Okay, so we have the acknowledgement. We have the support system. Are there any other pieces to this grief thing? Yes. For me, I'm always like, set where you want to go. It's almost like, you know, if you get in your car and you want to go somewhere and you pull up your maps, but you don't actually pick a destination you're probably going to drive around for a while, but you're not going to get anywhere. You might drive, you might do a lot. So it's like with any kind of growth work, but especially coming out of grief, again, it's like you could drive your car around for hours and be like, I drove all day. Like I read books all day. I listen to podcasts all day. But if you don't know what your goal is and you don't know what you want or where you want to go, it's going to be really hard to get there. And if you do get there, you won't know that you're there. Yes. Because you didn't, you didn't know your destination. One of the most helpful things for me when I went through a divorce is I wrote down, with the help of an expert, a list of things I wanted to feel. I didn't know what I wanted my life to look like. I wasn't there yet. I wasn't in a space where I could be like, I want this job, this, this, this. No, but I knew the feeling I wanted. I was like, I want to feel safe. I want to feel free. I want to feel happy. I want to feel like I have space. And I had like a whole list. I actually found it the other day. I still have the card. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And when I found it, I was like, I feel these things. Ah, Yeah. So set your intention, especially coming into the new year, because you can do this with, you know, anywhere you are in life. Maybe you haven't just gone through a divorce, but maybe you're going through something else or you're just feeling stuck. Yeah. Pick where you want to go and at least write down the feeling. Even if you don't know, you know, the exact specific details, what does it feel like? Ooh, that is so good because I feel like so many women that I talk to go, I don't know. I'm so clouded right now. Everything feels cloudy. Everything feels overwhelming, confusing. You're trying to just like make it make sense, which a lot of times it's not going to. So if you can just get clear on 
I don't want to feel like this, but how do I want to feel? Because even that can create this discovery that you're unaware of. And I think so many people think they know the answer to how they want to feel, but they actually don't if they sit down with a piece of paper and go, oh, it's deeper than just, oh, I want to feel happy. Okay, what does happiness feel like? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. So, so many great tools for grief, but you have a podcast called Growth Over Easy. So I want to talk a little bit about growth and why we should choose growth over easy. What does that even mean? Yeah. So that was born out of well, my life, like going through various things, but divorce being one of them, like I mentioned, losing my mother. And I just felt like these painful events were continuing to come up. And I remember I was hiking once out in Colorado. I love going out there. And I'd done like a 14 or summited a mountain. I was feeling good and I was in pain. And I remember thinking pain has the potential to produce more growth than happiness ever could. And... (laughs) And what I really feel from that is I love to be happy. I love it. Like I, I'm an optimist. Like me I too. want to be happy. But when everything in life is easy for me and happy, I get complacent. I don't yes. feel the need to grow because I'm comfortable. But whenever something happens in life that's painful, I grow because I want to find that happiness again. I want to find my joy again. So that's why it's called growth over easy because it's choosing that it's like, I don't want an easy path in life. I don't want to feel 100% happy 100% of the time. And it's not that I wish pain upon myself in any way, but I want to choose growth because the pain will come. It's part of the human experience. Like at some point you're going to experience a loss. Mm. It's unavoidable. Yeah, I love that potential behind the pain. What is there for me? What is, you know, what is there for me to discover? What is there for me to find? I have always also felt like with physical challenges in my, in my life, wherever I can push myself a little bit further, that's where the expansion happens. And I don't even know it's there until I'm standing in it. Yes. And again, I understand if you're listening, this can sound like a grand idea, like, oh yeah, I want to grow through my pain. And I want to be very clear. That's not my first initial reaction when I experience something hard. Like my initial reaction is I'm going to avoid this. I'm going to run from this. And I'm going to fill my calendar in life with things that make me happy because I don't want to deal with this. So like, Mm -hmm. I don't have just this like, you know... (laughs) this like natural inclination to be like, I want to work through my pain. It's built and it's a choice and a decision because I know deep down that when I grow through something, I'm going to be able to cultivate more deeper joy in my life. Mm. Yes. And that's the gain part, isn't it? That's really the gains of allowing yourself to be in the grief, choosing growth over easy, And then we get the gains from that. So what gains have you recognized in your life as a result of doing the grief and the growth? What does that look like for you? I would say compassion is the biggest thing. I think that when you experience, we'll say hard things, and you choose to grow through those, you will become so much more compassionate because you realize like how life can really beat people up. Like it can be devastating and hard. And I think compassion is one of the best 
just things that come out of grief when we grow through it, right? Like when we allow the grief to teach us, to show us, we allow ourselves to truly feel it and then to, you know, let it go without grasping onto it. We can cultivate so much compassion for the other people around us and other people going through similar things. And like you said, with your career, like your career was built out of your grief. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew it had to be right. I knew that there had to be purpose behind that pain and everyone's looks different, but I knew very distinctly because I tried to do other things. I tried to stay in a job that I quite frankly loved. I had an event job where I got to travel the world and go on private jets and yachts and I was making six figures and all the things. And I tried to say, no, I'm not going to go be a divorce coach. No, 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 no. And the universe said, yes, yes, yes. This is it. This is where you're going. And it was just like that nudge just turned that that poke turned into a very heavy nudge turned into this is where you're going. It was like there really is is no choice. And the thing I would I love what you said about compassion being such a big gift because it really is. It really is. And I think the other C that is its partner is courage. I think that when we push the edges where the pain exists so deeply. Mm-hmm. We learn parts of ourselves that we never knew were there or accessible. And at least for me, I find courage in those depths. And when I pair courage with compassion, it is just this magic element that elevates my life. I think that's beautiful. And I absolutely agree with that because it does. It's when you're faced with something so difficult and then you move through it, it is. You build more courage. And also you're like, wow, like I am capable of more than I thought I would. I don't know about you, but when I was first faced with going through divorce, I didn't think I could do it. And that's why I said early on, if I'd known how hard it was at the place I was in my life then, and you know, I hadn't done that much growth work at that point in my life, I wouldn't have done it because I would have been like, I can't do it. I can't tolerate that amount of pain. Hmm. But then I I got through it. I grew through it. And when the next hard thing in life came, yes, I still had that desire to run away and escape from it. I knew I could do it. I was like, Mm. I know I can move through this grief. Like, I know I can do this, that this isn't going to overtake me. It's going to hurt and it's going to be difficult, but I can do this. I literally just had a client say to me yesterday, wow, Heidi, I... Something popped up because I always say to them, this isn't the last time you're going to be using all the tools that I've shared with you. (laughs) I know you're going to think like, yay, now I'm healed and I feel so much better and I love my life and that's great. And it feels really good when you learn so much about yourself and you move through some of this tough stuff. But I'm always very clear that this isn't the last time you're going to use these tools. So we're having this conversation and she said, I'm so proud of myself, Heidi, because this thing popped up. And normally that would have felt like it was mission impossible and that I was going to, and I would stay stuck in a deep, dark place for a long time and be mad at that person and hang on to all this stuff. And she said, but because I've been through this grief that was harder than anything that I've been through, I've realized that all those little pokes of things, those aren't even heavy anymore. They're so light. And it made me feel so good because what I told her is, What you've done by trying on these tools and really becoming a master of knowing yourself is you've expanded your capacity 
to handle hard things. You've expanded your capacity in the depths of several of your emotions, especially that anger piece and different things that used to trigger you. Now they're just like, oh, I see what's there. I see what's there. I'm noticing that I'm feeling like that. And I don't even have to sit in it that long because I know what the depths look like. And this is so far Mm -hmm. from it. So I know that that was one of the gifts for me of grief as well was recognizing that I did have the capacity to hold so much more pain and heaviness than I ever thought that I could. And I didn't know that until I went through all this. No, for sure. I remember I when I was in my yoga teacher training, we had a teacher come in and he had been in... I can't remember exactly if he was in Afghanistan or Iran, but he'd lost both of his legs. And I remember him saying, he was like, a bad day for me. He's like, that was a really bad day. Like his awareness had been expanded, like you just said. He goes, but remember, he's like, for some people, getting a flat tire is a really bad day because that's the depth that they experienced. Yes. So it is. It's like when you've experienced this kind of bigger thing, you have this longer bandwidth of like to be able to we'll say like almost tolerate but not even just tolerate it's just that the other things don't get to you anymore because you're like it's not that you know big of a deal it's okay but i will say it's also remembering that the person that got a flat tire that's freaking out that maybe it's the worst thing that ever happened to him it's still the worst thing Mm. and again that's where i think that compassion piece can come in because when we see people it's like we can tolerate more but we can be like but I understand that you're in pain and I can still Mm -hmm. love you through that. So I think, yes, like your capacity for that and courage and compassion, it grows and no one wants to choose to go through these things, right? Like I don't go through my day looking for ways to experience something uncomfortable so I can grow. Like I don't naturally do that. I would naturally go through my day joy spotting, (laughs) like you said, But these things will come up and there is so much potential inside of the pain. And that's why I call it growth over easy. Because I'm like, everyone has something that has Mm. been like, you know, either a crutch or a catalyst in their life. And if we use it as a catalyst, we can just grow through it. Mm, That is so beautiful. I love that. I love that. And we're going to make sure that everybody listens to your podcast. Well, we're not going to make sure they listen, but we're going to put all your... (laughs) We're coming to your house and... (laughs) Coming over. We're going to put all the information in the show notes so people know where to find it and all that stuff. But how can people get more of you in their life? How can they have more accessibility to you? What do you have going on right now? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and TikTok, just at Lily Rachel's on both of those. And right now I'm really focusing on my companies kind of pivoted again as I don't know, I feel like as I change, (laughs) so does what I focus on. And I'm starting in the new year, a new course called Speakeasy that's all about learning to effectively communicate and looking at the motivation and energy behind communication and yeah, relationships together. I am personally going to be checking out Speak Easy because I truly, truly believe maybe we can do another podcast once you get up and running with it or whenever, because that language piece and the energetics behind language and all the things is such a thrill. And it's so exciting when you learn how to effectively use it in a way that just really expands your life. It's so beautiful. And I think it should be taught in like grade school. 
And or at oh, least- I agree. I'm like, I so agree. If we could teach kids, you know, I'm like the emotional guidance scale and, you know, meditation yes. and how to sit in uncomfortable feelings to not just react. Yes, that... <laughs> Yes, that yes, is on my yes. too. Maybe we should do that, Heidi. Yes, we're going to do a follow-up. It's done. Yeah. It's happening for sure. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for all the things. Like I said, we'll put everything in the show notes. I love to ask all my guests two closing questions if you're down for it. Um, I'm down for it. All right. So Lily, what is one thing that you love most about you? Mm, one thing I love most about me. I love that I see the good in every situation. And that I I naturally see the upside. Mm. I love that. That's an amazing quality. It really is. And the last question is, what does joy feel like in your body? Mm, I love that question. That's such a good question. Joy in my body feels like a lightness. Like, like I said before, sadness, it feels like a deep hit in my stomach. Like it's like joy feels like this like wave of almost this lightness and relaxation in my body. Like I feel like I stand physically taller and I feel physically lighter on my feet. Ooh, that made my spine. That made me want to just sit up in my chair. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, I want to. I want to get some of that right here, right now. (laughs) I'm feeling it for sure after this juicy conversation. I'm so grateful for you and the light that you're putting out into this world and the work that you're putting out into this world. So thank you so much for being with, with us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I hope you have a great holiday season. Absolutely. And to the rest of you guys listening, go out into the world, shine your light bright and live a limitless life. We'll see you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you loved the chat today, take a quick screenshot of this episode and send it to a friend. Connecting with you brings sunshine to my soul. So let's continue our conversation on Instagram at joyfullyb and check out my soulful services at joyfullydivorced.com. Remember, joy is contagious. So go out there, shine your light bright and live a limitless life.